Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning, Movement Church. How is everybody today? Are you good? Glad you're in church. It's a good place to be on a Sunday morning. Let me just say hello to those of you who I may not know. My name is Megan. My husband, Carrie, and I are some of the pastors here at the Movement Church, and he is actually preaching for one of our friend's churches in Anaheim today. So you guys are stuck with me, but I think we're going to have some fun today as we jump into part two of our series on surrender. And I just want to encourage you, before we get started, if you were here with us last week, you might have heard about this, and if not, it's not too late. But we are in the middle of what we're calling our 21-day challenge. So we are on day seven of our 21-day challenge. And I would just like to invite you, as the people who are here at the Movement Church, to be a part of us with be a part of this with us. And you can do that by texting the word challenge to the number that's on the screen. You're going to find we use this text service all the time. But if you'll text the word challenge to that number, it will tell you everything you need to know about what we're doing. But we're challenging every person at the Movement Church to do three things. Number one is devote. It's to spend 21 days actually diving into reading the word and to prayer, to see what God wants to do in our personal lives. In fact, we've had early morning prayer Monday through Friday at 6 a.m., and a lot of you have shown up, and it's been incredible. Saturdays is at 8. Thank you for that excitement that I heard in the room. But I just want to encourage you, if you haven't come out yet, come and join us. If you text the word challenge, we'll send you all the information you need to know. We'd love to have you there. We're also challenging you to connect, to connect with somebody inside the church, and to connect with somebody outside the church for the purpose of encouragement. And then to invest. And to invest is simply... Our goal is to invite one person to church every single day. And I missed a day this week, and I felt bad about it, but it's all right. We'll pick up, and we'll start over again. So I want to encourage you, grab some invitations on your way out, and join us in this challenge, because we really believe that God is going to do something spectacular in 2018, and I'm excited about it. And today, we're going to pick up in this series that we're, we just started last week, and it's called Surrender. Some of you were wondering what the S-R-N-D-R means. It's simply an abbreviation for surrender, right? And if you weren't here last week, Pastor Kerry really opened up this series and, and gave such an incredible message that I would encourage you, go back and listen to the podcast because it just unpacks everything that you need to know. But as I was thinking about surrender and, and the privilege I have to share with you today, I was just thinking, well, what does surrender actually mean? And when I picture surrender, I kind of picture um, a war that's happening. And I picture armies on either side, right? Maybe the Revolutionary War, that's what comes to my mind. And just people on opposite sides and opposite teams. And then all of a sudden, one of the teams just decides, I, we, we give up, we surrender, and they raise the white flag, right? And that's kind of the picture I've had of surrender. So understanding how that applies to my everyday life can be challenging. But as I thought about it a little bit more, I thought, you know what surrender also is? You know, when Avery, she's my youngest daughter, she's eight years old, almost nine, when she was two, she hated to wear clothes. 
She really did. She hated to wear clothes, which is kind of cute when you're two years old because you can run around with a diaper and everybody accepts that. And so it's kind of adorable and you think, oh, that's cute. But if we were going to leave the house, I wasn't going to take her out of the house naked, right? So I was going to make sure that I put clothes on my child for us to go somewhere. Well, Avery did not like that idea at all. And so every single time we would go to leave the house and I would go to put clothes on her, she would throw herself on the floor, kicking and screaming, arms and legs flailing, banging her head against the floor. And I would go and pick her up and I would wrap my arms around her. Not too tight, but tight enough. And I would wrap my arms around her and she'd keep kicking and screaming and throwing her head into me. And I would sit there calmly and hold on to her and say, Avery, we're going to wear clothes when we leave the house today. And she'd kick and she'd scream and she'd flail her arms and legs. And then usually after a little bit of a fight, she would do this. <sighs> and she would sigh and she would yield. And she would sometimes turn around and wrap her little baby two-year-old arms around my neck and go, I'm sorry, mommy. And sometimes she'd cry a little bit, but then we'd put her clothes on and we would leave the house, right? And when I picture surrender, I picture this is sometimes what we do with God, isn't it? We kick and we scream and we flail our, our arms and we bang our head. And maybe it's not physical where everyone else can see it, but it's what's happening on the inside. And I think God is so patient with us in the process of surrender. Just waiting for that moment where we take a deep breath and we go, okay, I give up. And I think God is so good like that. And thank goodness Avery is not still fighting me on putting clothes on because she's eight years old, almost nine. And that's a problem when you're nine years old. And it's a problem when you're 16 years old, isn't it? And so we had to learn that important life lesson at a young age because it was what was going to be good for her. And I think this is the process that we walk through with God in the process of surrender sometimes. And so I just want to encourage you. We're going to dive into this message, and I have a few things on my heart to share, but I really believe that God wants to speak to you today, individually, each person that's in the room. I don't think it's by accident you showed up. In fact, I think God really does care about exactly what you're walking through. And so I just want to encourage you, would you open your heart and just say, God, would you speak to me today? We're going to take a moment and pray, and then we'll dive in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you it's not by accident that any person is here today. God, I thank you that you have a word to speak to us, to challenge us, that when we walk out of this room, we might walk out with hope, that we might walk out with peace, that we might walk out with a new perspective of what you're saying. God, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, that's just talk we do in church sometimes to say, I agree. <laughs> I'm in this with you. So you can, you can say amen if you want, or as my husband would say, you can say, what, what? Everybody try it. Thank you. Awesome. You can say whatever you want to say, but listen, we like to participate in service. So if you hear me say something that you're like, yes, that's good, feel free to talk out loud, right? Don't, don't hesitate and sit there quietly because I'll feel very lonely up here on this platform. So it's okay to say this is good or it's okay to say I agree. But we're talking about surrender. And Pastor Kerry unpacked last week the process of surrender. And one of the things that he talked about is how you and myself, each of us are made up of three parts. And those three parts are body, soul, and spirit. I think we have a slide to picture this. We're made up of body, soul, and spirit. Look around the room right now. Kind of glance. It's okay. Look at your neighbor. It's all right. 
Every one of us has a body, don't we? And all of our bodies are unique. All of our bodies are different. Every one of us has a body, and we have systems that are at work inside of our bodies. Our blood is pumping. Every single person in this room is alive right now, I think. I think. Are you alive? Yeah? Our blood is pumping. Some of us, our stomachs are growling because we forgot to eat breakfast. And so we're thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch, right? And so there's systems that are inside our body that are at work right now. There's desires. There's cravings that we have inside our body. We also have a soul. And the soul is three parts. It is mind, will, and emotion. That means thoughts, feelings, and actions. So every single one of us has things we're thinking right now. If your stomach is growling, you're probably thinking about lunch. I don't know what everybody's thinking, but I hope you're thinking, I'm so excited to be here today, and I'm so excited to hear what she has to say. That's what I hope you're thinking, right? Okay, good. Every one of us has thoughts that are happening and choices that we're making and emotions that follow that. That is the soul. And then we're also made up of the spirit. Pastor Kerry unpacked this so well last week. Again, listen to the podcast if you missed it. But this understanding that there is a moment that when we say yes to Jesus, when we say, you know what, I'm going to stop trying to live life on my own, but I'm going to surrender my will to God. When we say yes to Jesus, we automatically have the spirit of God inside of us. Genesis tells us that God, we are made in the image of God, and God is spirit, which means we have a spirit. And at the moment of salvation, at the moment that we give up our rights and we say, God, I choose to follow you, a shift takes place. It's this moment that we have. It's not, it's not something that happens over a long period of time, but it's actually a decision that happens in a moment where we pray a prayer and we invite Jesus into the driver's seat of our life. And at this moment of surrender, we experience what the Bible calls justification. And Pastor Kerry unpacked this. Justification means just as if I've never sinned. There's this moment that we get to have with God. And Romans 3.24 says we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hey, listen, there's nothing you can do to work for it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. The gift of grace and salvation happens in a moment, and it's a free gift for you and me. It's just a simple decision that's made. And when we make that decision, our spirit is put in alignment with God. And that moment of surrender is called justification. I like to unpack big words that we hear sometimes in the church and make them make sense to us right now. So that moment of surrender is called justification. But here's the problem. Can we put that slide back up with the body, soul, and spirit? The justification, the thing with our spirit aligning with the will of God, that happens in a moment. But the body and the soul, they need some time. And they need some effort to be aligned with the Spirit of God, with the nature of God. And the Bible calls that process sanctification. If you've ever heard that word, the Bible calls that process sanctification. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not like aligning our spirit with God. It, body and soul, it takes some time and it takes some work. And some of us, we are taking big steps in the process that God has us on. And some of us, we are fighting a little bit, and they're like little baby steps, right? Little tiny baby steps in the process, and either one is okay. You see, gradual and progressive spiritual growth should mark the life of every believer. Gradual and progressive spiritual growth should mark the life of every believer. 
And last week, Pastor Kerry used the example of our marriage. On May 25th, 2001, it's been almost 17 years, people. We're still together. That's a good thing, right? On May 25th, 2001, I stood at the altar to say yes to Carrie Robinson. And when I stood there and I said my vows and I said I do, in that moment, I became Mrs. Robinson. Not the Mrs. Robinson you're thinking of, this Mrs. Robinson. In that moment, it happened in a moment, I became Mrs. Robinson. But the process of becoming Carrie's is a lifelong process. I'm still learning his nature. I'm still learning the things that he likes and he doesn't like. I'm still working on that process. And that's the same thing in our relationship with God. We're justified in a moment, in a decision that we make, but the process of sanctification, that takes some time. So surrender is just a process of spiritual alignment. And spiritual alignment means we want to get the spirit. Can we get that picture with the spirit on top? See, This is what we want our life to look like, where the Spirit of God is on top. The Spirit of God that lives in us is directing everything, body and soul. But our struggle is that sometimes the body and the soul are demanding, and whatever we give the most attention to will become the most influential. You know, early in life, we learn to take instruction from our soul, very early in life. In fact, you think of that picture of Avery at two years old throwing a two-year-old temper tantrum. Have any of you ever seen a two-year-old throw a temper tantrum? Anybody? Yes. They throw themselves down. They kick and they scream. They yell. They are so upset about something that they want that they've been told, no, you can't have that. And they get upset and angry about it, don't they? Or maybe they've been told they need to do something they don't want to do. And so they're throwing a giant two-year-old temper tantrum about it. And the problem is that this continues as we become adults. We just don't see it on the outside as much as we see it with the two-year-olds. But the problem is this is a struggle of the soul because the soul is innately selfish. Humanly, every single one of us, we want our own way, don't we? The soul naturally wants its own way. And so sometimes we catch ourselves throwing two-year-old temper tantrums in our adult body. And God's going, could you just calm down and get your stuff together, right? I feel like God does that with me sometimes. And can I just be a woman for a minute in rabbit trail? So press pause on this sermon. Is that all right with you guys? Okay, press pause on this sermon, and let me just talk to the parents that are in the room. If you are a mom or a dad, and you're raising some young children, let me just encourage you that when your child is throwing a temper tantrum, that the one thing you don't want to do is give them what they want. I'm serious. Bear with me here for just a moment, because we are, as parents, the greatest picture of God to our children. We are not God, but we are the greatest picture of God. We get to exhibit unconditional love. We get to exhibit unconditional grace. We get to champion the purpose, the thing that they were created for. And we also get to bring discipline that says, hey, actually, that's not good for you. Or, hey, actually, you shouldn't make that decision, right? That's our responsibility as a parent. And if we don't do that while they're young, we will teach them that they don't have to respond to God when they're older. So we've got to make that a priority as parents. All right, come back to the message. You ready? (laughs) So the soul is constantly demanding us to look at our own selfish interests. We see this found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. And I'm going to read this to you in the message version because I think it makes it come alive. And Paul says, my counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. 
For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us, right? Hey, this, this is in all of us. There is a root of sinful self-interest in every single one of us that is at odds with the free spirit. And just as a free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, these two ways of life are antithetical. You cannot live at times one way and at times another, right? So why don't you choose to be led by the spirit and escape the erratic compulsions of a law-dominated experience? It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. So here, it's going to unpack this for us. This is what happens when we try to get our own way, when we allow our soul and our body to drive our decision-making. It says this, repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper, an impotence to be loved or to love, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, and I could go on, Paul says. He's pointing out that every single one of us struggles with issues of the soul. Every single one of us has a natural tendency to struggle with issues of the soul. And the soul is three parts, mind, will, and emotions. Our mind is where we think. This is where thoughts are formed. Our will is our choice. Thank God no one in this room is a robot. God saw fit to give us all the ability to make choices and to choose. And we get to choose our thoughts. And then what follows that are our emotions, the feelings that follow our thoughts. So if I'm going to surrender my soul, and if I'm going to get my soul in alignment with the Spirit of God, I actually have to change the way that I think, the way that I choose, and the way that I feel. And I have to align that with the Spirit of God. If my soul is not aligned to my spirit, my thoughts, my choices, my feelings are influenced by the whims of culture and the desires of my flesh and everything else. And Galatians 5.22 says, but what happens when we live life God's way? It says this, and this is the fruit of the spirit for those of you who are familiar with it. He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, Serenity, that's love, joy, peace. We develop a willingness to stick with things, it's patience, a sense of compassion of the heart, kindness, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people, that's goodness. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, that's faithfulness, not needing to force our way in life, gentleness, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely, that is self-control. So that is a spirit directed life. And the way that God intended us to live is a life that is directed by the Spirit, like that picture we saw first, where the body and the soul come into alignment with that. 
But if you drive a car that is out of alignment, you know that it's going to pull to the right or it's going to pull to the left. And it's a struggle to get it going in a straight line the way that you have it. And the same thing happens in our human nature. Naturally, sometimes the body and the soul pull our direction and our focus. And we end up with a life that is led by our body or by our soul. So if we're going to align our spirit with the spirit of God, we've got to choose differently. We've got to think differently. And in return, we will feel differently. So how does that work, right? Because sometimes we need to know, okay, what does that actually look like? So I want to give you a little bit of science for you this morning, okay? It's like you're going back to school. But science would tell you that when you think, everyone in this room is thinking, you're building thoughts. And these thoughts are actually becoming physical substances in your brain. They actually are. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as you think, you're choosing. As a thought comes into your mind, you're choosing if you're going to think about it. And as you choose, that thought takes up genetic expression inside your brain. And it actually makes proteins. And these proteins form thoughts that actually take the shape of trees inside your brain. They are a real physical substance that occupy mental real estate. You see this picture of a tree right here. This image shows a tree with branches and all sorts of little branches and leaves that are coming off of it. And that is actually what a thought looks like when it's being formed in our brains. Isn't that fascinating? Literally, it looks like a tree. But the great news about it is, is that this tree, you might find, is not really going to change shape. But the trees that we're building with our thoughts inside of our brains, they actually can change. It's called neuroplasticity. Neuro means brain, and plastic means it can change. So the good news is, no matter what thoughts you have been thinking, you actually can change the genetic expression of your brain. You actually can change what those thoughts look like. But an interesting thing about your thoughts is that every thought has an emotion that is attached to it. And this emotion actually is in the form, it looks like a leaf, looks like water on a leaf. It's actually a physical substance in your brain, and it looks just like that. It's in the form of a chemical that actually looks like a liquid substance on the leaf of the thoughts in your brain. That, isn't that fascinating? I think it is. And so as we're thinking, there is an emotion that is being formed that looks something like this, and it is taking place inside of our brains. So if you're a teenager in the room and you have a big test that's coming up and you're thinking about that big test, right? You have one of two emotions. You are either so confident and so stoked that you've got this down. You're going to ace the thing. Or you are stressed out and worried because you know if you fail, you're going to be grounded for life, right? So you've got some emotions that are taking place as you think about the test that's coming. We understand this because if we have a friend who gets a promotion, we have an emotion that is attached to the thought that we have about that. We are either so excited and joyful for them, or maybe we're feeling insecure or jealous or what about me? And that emotion is represented just like this inside of our brain. As we think about our marriage or our relationships, there's an emotion that is connected to that thought, and that emotion might be love, it might be excitement, it might be anger, it might be fear of the unknown, but there's an emotion that is attached to every thought we think, and emotions are represented in our body in the form of chemicals. 
And what's interesting to know is that 75 to 98% of illnesses are a direct result of our thought life. Wow. But you can get that, can't you? Because if an emotion is represented in our body in the form of a chemical, then it stands to reason that there are good chemicals and there are bad chemicals, right? And so if our emotions are represented as chemicals, it stands to reason that what we think about actually matters. It actually affects the wiring of our brain and our body. It's important. And all of this science is supported by scripture. I love Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. It's telling us we get to choose. When the thought comes in and fear begins to take the loudest seat in our life, when worry and anxiety are plaguing our mind, it says actually don't be anxious. So we get to choose what we're going to think about. And it says you can pray, pray about what you need. And then it says, and be thankful. Find something to be thankful for. Everybody in the room, take a deep breath. Thank you for that. God says you're welcome. You're breathing. You're here and you're breathing. If you can't find anything else, start there. It's saying if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling worried, pray about it and think about what you're grateful for. And then the emotion follows. Peace will guard your heart and your mind. It continues in verse 8. It says, finally, brothers, and I'll add sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything anything at all that is excellent or worthy of praise, think about those things. We get to choose what we think about. We're not robots. We're not affected by everything that happens in our life. We actually have a choice. We get to choose what we think about. And Paul says, what you learned and received and have heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now, it's not automatic. He says, you've got to practice it. You've got to practice choosing your thoughts. But the Bible says if we will choose what we think about and if we'll use the word of God as our filter, then our thoughts will lead, but our feelings will follow. Our thoughts will lead, but our feelings will follow. So to surrender my soul means that my soul submits to the spirit of God and then I begin to choose what I'm going to think about. And as I choose what I'm going to think about, I build thoughts. They take the shape of trees inside my brain. And as I build those thoughts, they all have a feeling that is attached to it. And that feeling then produces what I say and what I do. But this process of surrender, this is constant. This does not happen overnight. Sometimes it requires practicing it every single day. Sometimes it requires practicing it every single hour. And for some of us, every single minute we are having to do this, consciously think about what we're thinking about. Romans 12.2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. The Bible tells us we can renew our mind. We can change the way that we think. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, this tells us we have the power to renew our minds. God made us this way. He made us spirit, soul, and body. And he gave us the ability with the soul he gave us to choose our thoughts and our feelings will follow. God gave us that ability. 
But what I want you to know is that that does not mean that you're not going to feel crazy emotions sometimes. It does not mean that once you say yes to following Jesus and you hear this message, that you're not going to walk out the doors and sometimes feel crazy emotions. Because stuff happens to all of us. Circumstances happen to all of us that are outside of our control, and some of them are inside of our control. But things happen to all of us that produce crazy emotions because our natural reactions are human reactions. They're not spiritual reactions. So when a thought enters our mind, a feeling moves from our unconscious mind to our conscious mind, and it produces this this feeling, this thing that's real. So you're going to feel sometimes anger, fear, disappointment, hurt, pain, sadness, jealousy, judgment. But what I want to encourage you is that it's kind of like a train that's on a train track. And when the train is just sitting there, It's like when a thought comes, it kicks on the engine. So the thought that comes into your mind, whether it's a thought of fear, a thought of worry, a thought of anger, whatever it might be that is happening, we have real human thoughts. But when that thought happens, it's like the engine kicks on. And the feeling that follows, it begins to pick up steam, right? And as a train is sitting there, it's going chug, 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 chug. Thank you, the few of you that are participating this morning. Let's try that again. Chugga, 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 chugga. Awesome. And, and as we begin to think on a certain thought and the feelings begin to pick up steam, it's like a train on a train track where that engine begins moving even faster. Chugga, 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 chugga. Good job, everybody. This is what happens if we allow our feelings to run away with themselves. It's like a runaway train never coming back. And we can, we can cower in the corner and throw our hands up in the air and go, I don't know how to drive a train. Or we can look for a red lever and we can pull the brakes and bring that thing to a stop. We get to choose what we think. We get to choose. You are not controlled by your circumstances. Now, you can't control your circumstances, but you don't have to be controlled by them. We get to choose what we're going to think about. We were made this way. God made us with the ability to choose our thoughts, to align our thoughts with his word as our filter, and in return, our feelings will follow. So it's okay to have emotions. God can handle that. But my challenge to you is take a moment Don't take an entire day because if you take a day to feel sorry for yourself and to let anger be the ongoing emotion you're feeling or fear or worry or anxiety, whatever it might be, that day will become a week and that week will become a month and that month could become a year. God didn't make you to be subject to your feelings and emotions. You get to step outside of yourself and tell your brain what to think. We have the ability. God made us that way. And how do we do that? we got to remind ourselves of truth. You know, if the band's not already making their way up, why don't you come on up here? In order to actually do this, to actually surrender our soul to the Spirit of God, we've got to learn how to remind ourselves of truth, which means we've got to know the Word of God. Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you can observe observe, and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Listen, insight, mindfulness, and wisdom come from meditating on the truth of God's word. 
And some of you are like, I don't know how to meditate. But if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. You just think about it. So in order for us to change the filter through which we see things, we've got to begin to know the Word of God, to think about the Word of God, to replace the thoughts of fear or anxiety or worry or anger or jealousy or disappointment. We've got to begin to replace that with what the truth of the Word of God is. And this will help us align our soul with God's perspective and choose the appropriate response. You know, if you're sitting here and you're, you're listening to this message, I, some of you know to follow along in the notes that are available to you on version. but if you haven't followed along in those yet, I'm going to challenge you right now. Like, it's okay. Get your phones out right now. And they're going to put a number up on the screen. And you can text the word notes to this number because, listen, I can't unpack for you every scripture today that has to do with every different emotion you could feel, but I did put it inside the notes. So there's scriptures there for dealing with anger, for dealing with forgiveness, with anxiety, with depression, with disappointments. And I put those in the notes for you because the only way we're going to actually be able to change the way that we think is by changing the filter through which we look at life. And our filter has got to become the word of God because it changes things, because our feelings follow our focus. So if our focus can become what God says, what Jesus says, and not just what's happening all around us, it will begin to change the way that you feel. So I want to encourage you, take a moment today, look through those scriptures, find something that you can stand on. And there's also a link in there for our freedom groups that are about to start. You know, connect groups, I think they kick off next week, and you can find out more about that today after church, but we have a specific group called a freedom group. And I'm telling you, it will be a game changer for you. In fact, a lot of the material that we're teaching in this series comes from the Freedom Workbook that you will go through. And I'm telling you, it will give you some tools necessary to take the next step in life. And everyone should do it. It's incredible. And you can follow the link that's in your, your notes there to sign up. But listen, we can't control, we can't control the crazy that life throws at us. We're going to walk through situations in life that are frustrating, that feel overwhelming, that make us angry. We can't control that, but we can control our response to them. We can surrender our soul and get it in alignment with the Spirit of God. And we can change the way that we think and change thus the way that we feel. Dr. Caroline Leaf says, and I pulled a lot of material from her, but Dr. Caroline Leaf says, as we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Listen, even if you have had a toxic thinking pattern in the past, the good news is, is that there's a process that happens in our bodies called neurogenesis. And it means that every single night while you're sleeping, new baby nerve cells are being produced in your brain. And they're at your disposal to do what you could do with them when you wake up in the morning. Lamentations tells us God's mercy is new every morning. So even if you've had a toxic pattern of thinking in the past, you can actually change that today. We can change the way that we think by choosing, because God gave us a will, we can choose what we think about and our feelings will then follow. So I'm going to choose to surrender my thoughts to the Word of God. And as I do that, I know my feelings are going to follow because that's the promise that God gives to us. Amen? And I just, I feel like there's so many people that are just battling anxiety and fear and worry and 
It's just been the dominating soundtrack in your mind. And I just want to take a moment before we, before we continue on today, and I just want to pray because we have this opportunity now to choose what we're going to think about. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I pray that you would bring peace to every anxious heart in the room. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would silence the voice of fear, that faith would be louder than fear in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place today. God, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' name. We don't ever close a service without giving you a, an opportunity. Maybe you're here today and, and you've never actually made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here, maybe somebody drug you to church, I don't know your story. But even as I was talking about that moment, that decision that happens when we choose to give Jesus the driver's seat of our life. Maybe for you, you've never actually experienced that moment. Or maybe for you, it was just a long time ago and you've been running in the opposite direction, trying to live life your own way. I don't know your story, but I know that there's something amazing that takes place when we stop trying to do life on our own and when we say, Jesus, I surrender all. I just give you the reins to my life. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment and I'm not gonna ask anyone in this room to get out of your seat. And I'm not gonna ask you to pray out loud, but I just wanna challenge you. Don't miss a moment. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, today is the day. It changes everything. Life may not get perfect, but oh my goodness, it gets so good. So I just wanna encourage you, if you're here and you need to make that decision today, to experience that moment, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your own heart and in your own mind. So if everyone in the room would just bow your heads and close your eyes, if that's you and you know it, in your own heart, would you just let these words be the prayer that you pray to God? Dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've tried too long to do it on my own. And then I ask for you to forgive me Today, I'm making a decision to surrender my life to you. And all around the room, if that's you and you're making this prayer personal, just let these words be the words of your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.